What's going on? And welcome to the Friday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salas, alongside my coach, Jim Iconoffer of Pelicans.com. We wrap up the first week of our NBA draft preview today with picks number five and eight. We're doubling up because the Orlando Magic decided to acquire another first round pick from the Chicago Bulls, and they will use that at number eight. And joining us today to talk about the Orlando Magic and also the Willie Green news, which we'll get to in a little bit, is Dante Marcatelli, broadcaster, sideline reporter, for the magic and of course a good friend of mine dante always good to talk to you how are you great to catch up with you jim how great is this guy how much has daniel salerson exploded there in new orleans louisiana I, <laughs> here in orlando we even know how big of a deal he has become he's absolutely taken off it's just completely like you said skyrocketed to the moon it's amazing how popular and famous he's become in the crescent city you can't go anywhere without people saying hey Jim, I know you uh, work for the for the Pelicans. Do you know Daniel Sellerson? And I'm like, See? exactly. Yeah, actually, I do know him. I know him really well. So he's been he's been tremendous, and I know that uh, he start had his start there in Orlando. I feel like this is a this is a nice reunion again that we're having among a current and former Magic employee. So. It's been a great, uh, geez, I guess it's almost 10 years now for you. Almost 10 years. I just, I just always glad when he takes my call, I call at some (laughs) point, he's going to stop taking it, stop responding to text messages, but not for now. So I appreciate it. It's always good to see you guys. Every so so often I have to uh, remind him to stay humble. So I think that's part of why (laughs) he continues to respond to your calls, at least for for, good for you. Well, I appreciate that. And for having a second little one, boy, he looks fresh. (laughs) <laughs> he looks like he got plenty of sleep. I don't know how he's pulling that off. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if he's got the makeup on for the podcast or not. But yeah, he definitely does look very well rested, especially for somebody who has a three-week-old right now. That's yes, definitely that's not right. the case. I owe all of, all my success to Dante and Galante, where I rap battled with Brandon Bass. I ate me <laughs> courtesy of Nick Anderson. Um, I was throwing grapes at Ryan Anderson. You know, all, yes. all those things I have to credit Dante because those, if it wasn't for those – exact things you know i don't think i'd be here 10 years later so dante thank well, you well we found we found that. we carved out a nice little niche for you and you excelled at it and now, now look at you all grown's up <laughs> yeah, absolutely well let's get to the WA draft preview enough about me but dante uh, obviously you guys are in a little bit of a interesting situation compared to most others with two picks in the top 10 so i guess i want to start with do you feel like the domino kind of falls on the Orlando magic at five there seems to be a consensus one through four at least the top four and some might agree with it, some might not, but it seems like through mock drafts and from what we've been hearing, you know, the four main guys could go one through four. So does this draft kind of start with Orlando at pick number five? You could say that. You could say that. But then if you look at a lot of the mock drafts, then, uh, you know, a lot of people indicate whoever doesn't go in the top four, uh, then that's where the Magic are going to go at five. So it's hard to, you know, it's, it's hard to know that they may not veer from it. It, it may fall on Oklahoma City. They're at six, but it feels to me like somebody we're not expecting or thinking about is going to creep up into that top four. And I don't know who that is or, or who's going to make that move if it's Toronto or Cleveland, but feels like somebody might, might kind of break out of that top four we've been seeing in all these mock drafts. But if it stays true, then yes, it'll come down to Orlando. And, and, you know, you, you hear the name Kaminga, is it Scotty Barnes? Is it, uh, you know, could Moses Moody, could book Knight be there? You know, there's, there's a number of options that the Orlando Magic uh, will have. So um, I think if you look at the track record of uh, John Hammond and Jeff Weltman, I I think they like length. I think they like size. I think they like a guy that can defend, uh, versatile, can play multiple positions. And there's a number of guys like that at five and at number eight. So the Magic find themselves in a good position. 
And number five, does it just come down to with it with a young team like Orlando, best player available situation? You mentioned how the yeah. top four could change how things go at number five. Is that kind of where the magic are going to go just based on who's on the board at that point and who they've narrowed it down to for that pick at least? I think so. I, I you know, I could be wrong, but I, I think the I think they're going to take the best fit no matter what at each position. They're going to take whoever they think is the best fit at five and who and circle back and the next two guys that are gone there go down their board and whoever they had at eight, that's where they'll go. But can you maybe, can you maybe swing for the fences and try to have a guy that might have more upside at five? And then maybe a guy that, that might be a little more known at eight, I'm not sure, or vice versa. You know, you could switch it up the other way. So, uh, but I, I think knowing this group and knowing this team and knowing that really, you know, since you moved on from Nick Bucevic, Evan Fournier and Aaron Gordon, you've got a, a lot of holes to fill. And, and really, you know, everything is up for grabs in, in my opinion. So I think you can look at every position and, and I think they have a, a unique opportunity uh, to get two guys here in the top eight that that could certainly fit what they're doing as they go this new direction. Before I get to Jim, you talk about different skill sets in different positions that they could go with. From last year, based on this team, I know you dealt with the trade deadline and losing some of those veteran leaderships, but is there a certain, I guess, aspect or a certain quality of someone in this draft that this team Shooting, might shooting, 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 <laughs> shooting, 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 shooting. Can we? Can we? I, I th- <laughs> I think, right, you, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about, especially in today's NBA, just how important it is to have somebody that can knock down uh, that three-point shot consistently. And not to say that the guys on this roster can't be that or can't get. We certainly saw signs of it and glimpses of it, and you guys saw that in, in New Orleans as well. But um, I, I just think it's so important nowadays. And I, I think with, the, with having those two picks, I think you have the opportunity to, to maybe take a guy that can become a three-point shooter and maybe a guy that is a three-point shooter or is known as a shooter. What order you do that in, I'm not sure, but I think you have a unique opportunity to, to kind of uh, scratch both of those itches. But I, I hope they get somebody that, you know, I, I, it could even be through free agency or, or, you know, internal development too. But this team was in the bottom three or four in the NBA in field goal percentage and three-point shooting. And that was with Nick Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, and Evan Fournier. Then you trade those guys away. It's no knock on on the, the young guys that are on this roster, but they're not ready at that age, maybe to, to be consistent shooters. So I think you need a threat and I don't know, I don't know how you go about doing that, but I would like to see them add somebody that, uh, that, that could not knock down that shot consistently. So, so Dante, I'm wondering, you know, going into this draft, how important is shooting to, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> shooting, shooting, shooting. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask you about the, the new head coach. It seems like just on the surface, that what New Orleans and Orlando did in terms of hiring their head coach is very similar in terms of you have a guy who's a first time right. head coach and also a very young guy. I mean, Jamal Mosley is ancient compared to Willie Green at 42. <laughs> Willie Green's <laughs> going to turn 40 next week, but as one of the youngest coaches in the league, but what do you think makes um, has made Jam- Jamal Mosley a good fit for what Orlando is going to try to do? Well, first of all, I've had a couple of people from Dallas that I don't even know have reached out to me and said Jamal Mosley was probably the greatest person they've worked with in all their time in Dallas. And that was unsolicited, uh, just coming out and saying, Let, let's start there. I just want you to know how good of a human being uh, that you got. And I, I think that's what we're hearing from Jeff, from John, from front office, from uh, everyone from Dallas, from players that have come up with him. Uh, th- this guy is a, you know, he, he's made a lot of fans along the way. And he's the real article, man. And, and I asked him that we did a podcast with him and, and I'm sure you guys will get coach green at some point too, who you're, you're right. Similar mold, just a fantastic human being. And I, he, he's a, why they went that way is obviously his personality and, 
when you know you got to have a guy that's patient as you're going through a rebuild a guy that's going to be able to navigate through what was most likely going to be a lot of losses potentially in the next year or two uh and a guy that's not going to get down continue to encourage so i think his personality and his demeanor fits all that but his track record of being a guy that develops and that's what he was in denver and that's what he was in cleveland and that's what he was certainly uh in dallas it took a lot of those guys under his wing so he he's he seems to have a knack he gets right out there on the floor he's already been working with mo bamba uh so he seems to be able to get right out there on the floor and work with these guys and help them grow their game and develop and, and i asked him guys about that i said what you know you're you're known as a relationship guy as a development guy I said what is it about you uh, that makes you so successful. And he goes, you know what? He goes, there's no secret formula. He goes, you know what you have to do? You have to genuinely care about human beings. <laughs> I said, how refreshing is that? Isn't that, you know, not that any of the, not that, what a concept, what a novel concept in our society to actually genuinely care about human beings. And I thought that was, but it's, it's so true. And that's no knock on anyone that's come before him, but you know, just in our society, that's what we need. And, and I think that's what we can, we can use that in, in sports and, so that's his mantra. He seems to have a way to genuinely connect. And in doing so, they believe in him, they trust him, and, and you know, they kind of turn the, the keys over to him, and, and he's been able to have a big influence on a lot of players. You mentioned um, some of the veteran guys that, the, or, that Orlando traded last season, guys that are pretty accomplished in their careers. It, it seemed like another reason why it, it was easier maybe for the Magic to kind of go in the direction that they went, you know, kind of halfway through last season was they, ha- they also had – a couple of very key injuries to Markel Fultz and right. Jonathan Isaac. What's the, what's the latest on those guys? Are they, are they expected to be back, you know, by the beginning of next season, hopefully? No, Markel won't. Uh, Markel's happened in January. So I would think, you know, at least a year, uh, you know, kind of brings you to January. It seems to be a 12 or 13 month recovery uh, with these ACLs, unfortunately. So you would think certainly at some time, I, I think the timetable starts, you start being able to develop a timetable as the calendar flips to January. Uh, Jonathan, you know, that happened in August. So we're coming up on a year for him, but knowing this organization and that they're not going to rush anybody along, you know, could he be, you know, you would hope he'd be ready for training camp at the end of September. Um, but we don't know. We don't know if he'll be ready for training camp, but he's walking around without a brace. Markel Fultz is walking around without a brace. Jonathan Isaac is out there doing shooting drills. Uh, he's going through some of those motions, which is great. So he seems to be moving well. Uh, none of them seem to be in any pain. So uh, all the updates are good and, and they're progressing. If, if not on schedule, ahead of schedule, you just hope for no setbacks. As you guys know, with all these injuries, you just hope for, for no setbacks and whatever that timeline is, you hope they're able to meet it. But hopefully Jonathan is, is able to play at some point in the preseason and, and then join the team there early in the start of the year. Before I let you go, Dante, we, we briefly mentioned Willie Green, who was announced yesterday as a new head coach for the New Orleans Pelicans, and he spent a year with the Orlando Magic as a player back in 2014-15. What can you tell us about him just as a broadcaster, your interactions with him uh, on and off the floor? He was awesome to me. I mean, he, he never denied any request. He was always great to talk to, very approachable, uh, and the guys loved him. I, I, I seem to remember that, you know, on a young team, uh, as you mentioned, and not that he was that much older than them, but uh, you know, we were very young. We had guys in their early twenties, a young Nick Vucevic, all those guys, and they loved him. They looked up to him and he was always in their ear on how to conduct themselves as professionals, but he had a couple of games guys where he got it going. And I thought that was the funnest thing for me to see uh, was he had a couple of games where he just couldn't miss. And he, and he carried this team to victory and the response from the bench and the guy standing up and cheering him on and, you know, and kind of almost dousing him with water after the game. I just, it, 
the the infatuation, the respect, and the love that his teammates had for him when he was here. I, I thought that was that was obviously very apparent. And, and he knew what his role was here, ended up being the last year of his NBA career. And he knew he was brought here to be a veteran, you know, and to come in here and help Jock Vaughn with these young guys and James Borrego and, and help these young guys learn the NBA game. And he did that. And he had so much wisdom and knowledge and he was able to pass that along. So he's a guy that was well-respected, well-loved by his teammates and his coaches. And he'll be the same way there. Uh, he'll be a terrific influence and, and he'll be positive and, and he'll encourage these guys, but he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. And think about that pedigree, you know, working with Monty Williams, is there a bigger class act than Monty, as you guys well know, uh, having had him there. And then this run that he was on all the way to the NBA finals. So he'll be great in New Orleans. Good things to hear. And of course, we've heard these same things from other teams like the Golden State Warriors, the Phoenix Suns as well. So definitely nice to hear them uh, from his time in Orlando. Dante Marcatelli, uh, Sideline reporter and broadcaster for the Orlando Magic. Always great when he stops by. Dante, enjoy the draft next week. I know you tweeted about what can you do for these next week until the draft. Maybe some Olympics to watch. I guess that's probably- yeah. Is that what we got to do? I, w- I watched the opening ceremonies this morning, and I don't know. I obviously I watched the basketball, but after that, I'm trying to think what my favorite sport is. Maybe maybe pole vault or swimming. What are we going to get into after that? I don't know. You raise baseball, aren't you? Red Sox. You're a Red Sox fan, obviously with the Red with Sox the jersey. So maybe some. I mean, they're playing well right now. I think I'll watch that too. I'll, you're exactly right. And Ted Lasso came out today, so I'm there good. Go. I got to cover. I got to <laughs> okay, cover. Okay, glad. Good. Don Daniel, Daniel, keep up the great. Keep up the great work. We're proud of you. Great to see you again. And Jim, all, always a pleasure to see you, my man. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Good luck next week. All right, you too. Thanks, Dante. Well, thanks, Dante. I'll I'll try to keep him in check as always. <laughs> good luck. Good luck. <laughs> All right, never never a dull moment when you have Dante Marcatelli on the show. Big thanks for him for joining us as we wrap up the week, picks number five and eight. So we're going to kind of go out of order just based on the magic uh, having those two picks. But on Monday, we'll have Oklahoma City Thunder. We'll talk about them with pick number six. And we'll have Tim Roy, uh, play-by-play voice of the Warriors, on Tuesday for them at pick number seven. And then on Wednesday, we'll jump to number nine in the Sacramento Kings. And then Jim and I will have a draft day preview on Thursday morning. And then keep in mind, we'll be on our draft show on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM starting at 6 p.m. Central time. And most likely we're going to take you all the way up to the end of the draft, unless there's some changes for the Pelicans as they have four second round picks. Our goal is to bring it to you all night long. So hopefully you can join us for that. But Jim, not only do we have a draft to talk about, but as was announced yesterday, Willie Green named the newest head coach, the eighth coach, in franchise history for the Pelicans. And Dante just kind of echoed what we've been hearing from around the league. And I'm sure you've gotten text. I'm sure you've been talking to people about what can we expect from Willie Green. And it's basically the same thing Dante mentioned. I think everyone's really excited to have him aboard, especially a former New Orleans Hornet player. It's funny, his description of Willie Green's time in Orlando was almost exactly what I think of when I think of the season that he played here in New Orleans, where he was really well-liked among the team and his teammates. Um, the younger guys really looked up to him in a lot of ways. He was closer to the end of his career. Obviously, at, he, Orlando was his last season, but um, he was here four years before he played in Orlando. So just a, a lot of similar descriptions. And um, I think one thing that, that I think Dante mentioned was just, uh, just a, such a respected guy. And he's kind of got that calm demeanor. And also another thing, he mentioned how Willie Green had some breakout games in um, – in Orlando where out of nowhere, he had a huge game. I think I have to double check this, but I believe um, Willie Green towards the end of the 2011, 10, 10, 11 season had a 31 point game against Phoenix where he was making everything. And the guys were jumping up and down on the bench. 
that was really the game I remember the most from that season that Willie Green played. And uh, I think that was the last 30 point game he had in his NBA career. Obviously he had a bunch of um, big games over the, the, la- the next four years after he left uh, playing for the Hornets here, but that was the last time I believe that he had a 30 point game in his career. So that was a, just kind of a memory that stood out from that season that I also talked to um, a couple players from that team, Jason Smith and Emeka Okafor. And uh, they kind of echoed a lot of the stuff that Dante said. And Emeka also mentioned how Willie Green had kind of sneaky athleticism that he's kind of a steady, you know, low key guy. He kind of reminds me of Etwan Moore in terms of his personality and his, in his game, as far as just, he's very reliable. He's not very flashy. But once in a while, he'll just dunk on, he would just dunk on somebody and people would be like, where the heck did that come from? So th- th- those were all um, interesting parts of, of Willie Green's game and his personality. Uh, where can we find your work on Willie? I'm going to get to him in just a second. But, you know, you talked about you talking to Jason Smith and Carl Land, uh, not Carl Landry, excuse me, Mecca Okafor. Uh, where can uh, your work uh, be found as far as uh, all of your stuff on Willie Green? Yeah, it's going to be on pelicans.com. It's not up right now as we speak, but maybe by the time people listen to this podcast, it will be. And uh, by the way, you mentioned Carl Landry. I did try to get in touch with him, but I think he was tied up attending the Milwaukee Bucks championship parade yesterday. So I, so I'm, I'm disappointed. I didn't get a chance to connect with him, but I have to say I'm happy for him because he is a hometown Milwaukee guy. And he didn't say that he was headed there, but he told me he was going to Milwaukee on Thursday. So that, if I put two, and two together, I think I'll make an educated guess and say that he was living it up at the parade. So if I do get to talk to him sometime in the near future, I'm going to get some details on that. I know that wasn't Willie Green related, but still kind of an interesting tidbit. Well, the one thing I wanted to end with on Willie Green is uh, not only as a player, but as an assistant coach, Ari won two championships with the Golden State Warriors, went to another finals with the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> Excuse me. And He's basically the defensive coordinator for the Phoenix Suns went under head coach Monty Williams, and they were sixth overall in defense last year. So we talk about his his attributes as a person, but also his attributes as a coach. And I feel like especially on the defense side of the ball where the Pelicans struggle most of the year, um, I think that's going to be a, a huge boost for this squad this year. Definitely. And, and I think, as we all know, people that have been following the NBA for a long time or have been around the NBA that Phoenix has been a kind of a historically bad defensive team. So for them to be able to make the jump that they made this year is really impressive. Um, one of the things that the players, former Hornets players I talked to mentioned as well about Willie Green was when you're his teammate, he always knew the X's and O's really well. So Jason Smith started playing with Willie Green in Philadelphia when Willie was only in his fourth or fifth year in the NBA and he's only 26. And he already had that mentality of you could, he could sit down with a clipboard and break down like, okay, this is where you need to be on defense and Jason, Jason Smith and Emeka Okafor both talked about how how valuable that was to have a guard who just knew exactly all of the different intricacies of defense and where what positioning they should be in and how to help them. They both said that that was something that was really valuable. So I think when Willie was here, he was probably he was basically like the seventh or eighth man. He wasn't a guy that and Jason Smith talked about this as well. He wasn't a guy that I think to the public you necessarily thought of that much as he wasn't a star player he didn't do a lot of flashy stuff but within the locker room and around the team i think a lot of the, pl- the players had a, a great concept of how important he was just for all of the intangible stuff he, he brought to a, the team and just you know a lot of the the knowledge of the game that he had he, he's also a four-year player which i know in college which i know was a lot more common back then but still that was 
he came into the NBA. He was really ready to be a pro in a lot of different ways. And uh, he'll be introduced on Tuesday to the New Orleans media. And of course, we'll be able to meet him on Tuesday as well. And then he's got two days to get ready for the NBA draft next Thursday. So more on Willie Green. Again, be sure to look out for Jim's work on pelicans.com or the mobile app. And I know he'll promote it on his Twitter account at Jim underscore Eichenhofer, who has way more followers than I do. And that'll always be the case. And I don't blame any of you for that as well. He does great work as always. And uh, we look forward to more of this draft preview next week, Jim, as we uh, we're counting down here less than a week away. I mean, the public just has, has better decision-making, you know, when it comes to selecting who they should follow on Twitter, you know, I got to give them a lot of credit for that. So, but you know, that that's, that's just, it's just, it is what it is, I guess is, is the way I would put that. I'm boring on Twitter. I don't blame people for not following me. I got to get better at, you know, entertaining the folks on Twitter. But nonetheless, you know, all your insights definitely worth following. If you're not following Jim, that's definitely on you. And you make sure you follow him at Jim underscore I can offer. Jim, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday with the Oklahoma City Thunder on deck for our draft preview. And then uh, we'll, we'll go from there for next Thursday. Sounds good. I think you just need more hot takes on Twitter. I think that's the way to get to where you, where you want to be. That's a big no for me, my friend. Absolutely <laughs> not. Well, for Jim and for Dante Marcatelli, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by CT.